Schechter, Chatterb, and Rockton with a right hand. Now they get together, and Leibold continues to rack up the majors here. Now Leibold with the right hand puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Leibold just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen. I played major, junior, and professional hockey. Throughout my teenage years, on the outside, everything looked perfect. When you're hot, you're hot. Brady Leobold with his fourth goal of the game. And the Kelowna Rockets having a whole lot of fun tonight. Nobody knew I had been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody. I submerged myself into hockey that worked for a while until it didn't. Oxycontin led me to heroin. Heroin led me to fentanyl and everything else. Homeless on the streets of Hastings in Vancouver. Over three years of my life I've spent behind bars. But now I'm clean fighting to get my life back. Everything I do is for the memory of Matthew Wazinski and all of our fallen brothers and sisters in the hockey community. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. I lost everything and almost my life. My name's Brady Leibold and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. Love this song. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of Hockey to Hell and Back. This is episode number 10. Kind of fitting. If we get into it, kind of fitting. Episode number 10, guys. If you're joining me live, thanks for watching. If you're listening via audio, thank you so, so much. Thanks again to Matt Fahey for that, uh, that track. He recorded that in his basement put all the instruments together so i appreciate that all his hard work people contributing to the podcast lots of people contributed to the puck sport foundation there's lots to talk about but i kind of want to just get into this episode uh before we do though um anybody watched this morning ryan phillips and i have combined forces uh all over the map is now all over the map hockey to hell and back i'm still going to be doing my thing uh but him and i are going to be doing something right on the regular here and we got a couple big things planned which is exciting uh so stay tuned for that we had a really good conversation this morning uh i think we're going to be joined by glenn metropolit tomorrow possibly even josh gratton uh there's lots to talk about in the hockey world after the article that rick westhead came out with last night and before i say anything else on that for me it's not about crucifying one team or or one league or anything because it's a problem right across the hockey community and i think it's dwindled down a little bit over the years uh but i certainly went through some of that and i know uh, a lot of guys i've spoken to this morning uh all went through similar things so we want to make sure that that's stopping right now like it's hard enough to go to the rink the anxiety of going to the rink trying to perform at a high level um and then you got to put up with that shit. it's makes it difficult it made me quit one year to be honest so uh let's get into it though um but before we do you know this episode proudly brought to you by team issued limited team issued is connecting all walks of life team issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something 
bigger, a community for all striving towards the same goal. Guys, check it out, teamissue.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15. It's all about the toe drags. Get 15% off. Support a former WHL player and Team Issue Limited and a good friend of mine and the podcast, Jesse Paradise. Hello to Jesse out in Winnipeg. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the Puck Support Foundation and Puck Support Swag maybe at the end. But as you can see, the hats are in. Matt decided to wear the white one. I didn't even want to touch it. His hat's already ruined. If you're going to wear it and wear a lot of it, maybe don't uh, get the white one. We only have a couple of them anyways, but it looks sick. So, okay, let's do it. Let's get right into episode 10. This one, I tried to get this guy on before. He's been busy. He's a dad now, too. Holy shit, lots has changed, eh? That's what happens when you grow up. So, guys, let's do it. See you. This is a little bit longer than than most. It uh, could have been a lot longer, but we'll see you guys in about 10 minutes. Looking back over the course of my hockey career, I'm extremely blessed and fortunate to get to play alongside some of the world's best hockey players. I got to face off against a lot of great hockey players too. But let's talk about the guys I played with for a minute. We're talking, I played on a line with Art Ross Trophy winner, Jamie Benn. I also played on a line for a short time at the Prospects Camp with Maurice Richard winner, Steven Stamkos. And I also sat next to Calder Trophy winner, Tyler Myers, for the entire season with the Kelowna Rockets. Also on that team were guys like Tyson Berry and Luke Shen, and also guys like Colin Long, who scored 100 points that year. Never mind all the other amazing players that were on all the other teams that I played on and got to face off against. But if you really ask me who I think maybe the best hockey player I ever played with was, I'll tell you it goes back to my childhood. I'll tell you it's a guy by the name of Ned Lukasevic or Lukasevic, depending on who you're talking to. I told myself before I started recording this one that I wouldn't cry. And a minute in, here we go. This is just me today. I'm just emotional. I'm just grateful. I'm grateful that I met Ned Lukasevic because he changed my life and most certainly my hockey career and those in the town of Port Coquitlam on a grand scale. Originally born in Yugoslavia, which is now Serbia, I believe. Ned, you can correct me later on. I don't think I actually formally met Ned Lukasevic until I was 12 years old. But I'd watched him play in Port Coquitlam, and he was more of a myth, a legend, than anything before I got to actually talk to him. He came to Port Coquitlam when he was 10 years old, and he was far and away the best player that organization had ever seen. The first time I heard about Ned Lukasevic was from my best childhood friend, Connor Didman. He was a year older than me, just like Ned, and they played together on the Adam A. Minor team when I was still in novice second year, which I guess now would be considered hockey four. Connor and I would hang out almost every single day and on the weekends, and he would tell me about how great this guy Ned was on his team. 
how his slap shot was so hard. He could hit the top corners and he was just faster and more skilled than anybody. Connor said, I wouldn't believe it if I saw it. Up until getting on the ice with Ned Lukasovic, I had yet to test myself against hockey's real elite. And when I tested myself against Ned, I knew I was just one step behind. And it was something that I sort of just accepted over time as we became instant friends when we played together my first year Peewee, as I was first year and he was second year with the Pork Equipment Pirates. That was the year Ned and I really got to know each other along with a couple of other guys on that team and we bonded and we became all best friends. People comment me often, or at least they used to, on my hands, on my ability, on my stick handling. Let me tell you I put a lot of work in, but I'll tell you who I watched all the time. I watched Ned Lukasovic. Pretty much anything in my repertoire of tricks or skills comes directly from Ned. I stole it from him. He could do things at such high speed that nobody else could. Not just anybody in Porcoquillum, I'm talking anybody we played against. When Ned wanted to turn it on, he literally could not be touched by anybody. He was faster, he was more athletic, he was more skilled. And he showcased it on more than one occasion, and I'll get to that here shortly. But Ned and I connected so much off the ice as well. We spent a lot of time at my dad's house on 1485 Morrison Street, where Ned would mostly be hiding from our pet golden retriever, who was the friendliest dog in the world, Bud. Brady, Brady, get your dog, get your dog, as he's hiding on the couch. That's just Ned for you. There's no question Ned has his own unique personality, but that's what we all loved about him. Ned has a certain charisma about him. When he was around, everybody was sort of circled around Ned, looking to Ned. What's Ned going to do? Is Ned going to take us to the championship? Is Ned going to score us the big goal? And it was usually Ned that would pull through for us. It was always him that we were looking to. After that year in first year Peewee, he went on to his first year in Bantam. He tore it up and was drafted by the Spokane Chiefs, 30th overall in the WHL Bantam draft. The following year, I caught up with Ned again in my first year Bantam, which went down as probably one of the funnest years of my entire life. Ned and I had such a tight group of friends, Kurt Astle, Robbie Cavallari, Jake Ebner, just to name a few, but all of those guys, it was just such a great group. We hung out, we partied, we laughed, and man, were we idiots which included putting fireworks in my dad's microwave and parading around Porco Quitlam with a video camera late at night doing stupid things like, yes, egging cars, which kids, please don't do. Well, we weren't very smart about it and the video got out. My dad found it and all the parents found out anyways. So needless to say, we weren't very smart. And if we really want to reflect back, there was a time in Pee Wee when we lit fireworks off in the dressing room. And my dad, the coach, he put us in the penalty box for the entire practice. And guess who took it the hardest? My boy, Ned. That same year though, I played with him in Bantam. Ned actually broke into the Western Hockey League at 15 years old in front of 
all of us and his family at the Pacific Coliseum as the Spokane Chiefs took on the Vancouver Giants. And in typical Ned fashion, he scored in his very first game, setting a WHL record being the first 15-year-old to score in his first WHL game. Ned was the first one to really hit an elite level in hockey and the amount of time we all spent together and he would push us and push us and encourage us. And when he found out that I quit the under 16 team, he pushed me to make sure that I went to the under 17 team and always told me to believe in myself. And sure enough, I made the team. I'm not saying it was all because of Ned, but his confidence in me always helped. I always wanted Ned to co-sign everything I did because he was just that good. I think it's fair to say a lot of us live that way. I hate to say this because I don't need it to go to his head, but it's the truth. Ned Lukasovic is the best athlete I've ever met. He probably could have been a professional soccer player, basketball player, and he was a professional hockey player. I was struggling in Swift Current, and just before I left my 18-year-old year when I quit and went home, the Swift Current Broncos traded for Ned Lukasovic, and him and I actually reconnected in the Western Hockey League for a short period of time. It was what Ned did in his very first game in Swift Current that might go down in the craziest thing I've ever seen in hockey with my own two eyes. He put on a five-goal game where he literally danced through every single player for pretty much every single goal. It was incredible, but it honestly didn't surprise me because I'd watched him do things like that since we were kids. Shortly after that, I made one of the biggest mistakes in my life by quitting the Swift Current Broncos. Not only did I walk away from what could have been the best year of hockey of my life, I walked away from an opportunity to play with one of my best friends growing up. It was like a dream, but I was so mentally distraught that nothing was stopping me from quitting. I was going through so much, and I just wasn't ready to be honest about it at all. In fact, it would take me another 15 years before I was really ready to face it. There was a time when the crew of us were always together. I talk about it all the time, playing street hockey, late night at Ikea and linens and things, late night three-on-three tournaments out at NTR and Langley. We were always playing hockey of some kind and we were always together. It was a huge mistake leaving Swift Current and Ned and I's relationship was really never the same because after I left Swift Current, I went down a pretty dark path even though I returned to the Broncos the following year, Ned had moved on to the American Hockey League. Ned was drafted by the Los Angeles Kings in the 2004 NHL entry draft in the fourth round, 110th overall. I really wasn't surprised when he didn't return to Swift Current, even though selfishly I wanted him to because I wanted another chance to play with one of my best friends. I did cross paths with him while I was in the AHL playing with the Norfolk Admirals. I was actually out with an injury, but he was playing with Philadelphia's farm team. I remember thinking, hey, it was pretty cool that a couple kids from Port Coquitlam were here in the AHL, even if I didn't feel like I ever belonged. After that, I've never seen Ned Lukasovic since, and I've rarely spoken to him. This is exciting for me. Him and I have a lot of history. Some of my best memories include Ned Lukasovic and the gang from Poco. I can't wait to bring him in and talk to him and catch up. I'm already starting to laugh. There's many reasons why players who should play in the NHL never do. 
But without question, Ned Lukasovic is one of those players. And there could be a number of reasons why, but maybe that's not what we're going to talk about today. I think today is for fun. I deserve a little bit of fun. I think I deserve to laugh. Let's lighten it up. Let's bring my buddy in. From Port Coquillum, Teddy O. Eight, Ned Lukasovic. There he is. Wow. What's going on, Ned? What a great introduction. I got a little emotional there, to be honest. <clears throat> yeah, I cry a lot these days, so I'm used to it, but you're welcome. Oh, actually, I was like, I hope I'm not, am I live right now? Because I'm, I'm getting a little teary. I had to go to the kitchen and grab a napkin, for real. Yeah, I saw that. I saw you get up. I'm like, oh, is he leaving on me or what's going on? But hey, listen, thanks for doing this, man. It's been way too long, eh? Uh, thanks. That was a great introduction. I really appreciate the kind words. I mean, always nice to hear those kind of things. Uh, when someone says those kind of things about you, uh, you know, feels good. For sure. Well, I mean, come on. I mean, it's it's really no secret. And I'm sure a lot of guys that grew up in the area feel that way. I mean, when you came to Poco, it was uh, you, you brought hockey to another level. Like you just you had that extra gear that nobody else had. And and uh, it, it really, you know, without you, I don't think uh do we even tier one? I wonder, like, I'm not even sure. Um, because for a number of years, you brought the level up um, of skill and competitive right from the minute you got there um, until, you know, you graduated into junior. So it was, you know, what you did, I don't think many people have taken the time to, to really analyze, you know, what it did when you came to our organization. Like if you would have stayed in Vancouver minor, like, my hockey career is completely different. Like who do I have there? That's really pushing me. Um, that's, you know, challenging me. You know what I mean? Like you were always just, I couldn't quite catch you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I appreciate all that. I, that does still feel good. I mean, even being an old guy now, those compliments feel good. But I remember uh, when we moved to Poco, I was nervous. Uh, I didn't really realize at that age that I was that good. You know what I mean? Like when I came to Poco in the first tryouts, I remember, I just remember I had a, I had a killer slap shot. I knew, <laughs> I knew I was good, but I didn't know that the kids would be so blown away by me. You know what I mean? To that extent. Yeah. yeah. It was like that first tryout in Adam. And I was, everyone was like, I just remember like, I could feel the buzz kind of, you know, like with yeah. what I was doing in tryouts. But I mean, I was young at that point and I, I played a lot of sports. I, I don't think at that point I realized that I was, really good at hockey i just loved hockey so i think i i, I thought i was kind of parallel with most of the kids my age uh, but you, nah, let's be honest i hate to cut you off but you were so freaking good at everything that you did so you know what i mean you were you played just i don't want to jump all over the place but just to give people an example like we would play so when we were in high school we went to high school together too we had intramurals where like you know for like a month or two it'd be floor hockey and then we'd be indoor soccer like literally we had the same team of guys that were just hockey players and we would beat the soccer guys and in soccer with the hockey guys and you know what i mean it was because you just dominate in soccer we were pretty good too but uh it just seemed like no matter what sport you played it was you just you were the you fit in with the best everywhere. I'd watch you play basketball with the guys from Riverside that were the best on the team, and you're dancing around them basketball. I'm like, what the hell is with this guy? Like, who is this Ned guy, really? And that was kind of reverting back to when I first met you. That was sort of like you were. Like Connor talked about you so much, and I was just I kind of was cocky at the time. Like I was like really like in second year novice. Like oh, I got the big wrist shot, no slap shot at all, but big wrist shot. And then I'm like, okay, like who is? This? I remember seeing you. 
can't be that good. He's not that good. Yeah. And I went to, I went to Killarney funny story. Cause that's actually where my dad went to high school. Killarney. I just remember this now was the very first time that I saw you play at a Christmas tournament. I went with Connor's dad, Garnet and watched you play. And I think you had like six goals or something stupid like that. And Connor came off the ice. He's like, I told you. I told you, like, I'll never forget it. And then from then it was just sort of like, I wanted to make a point of going to watch your guys' games just because it was fun to watch, you know? And um, so I appreciate that. But I, before we go any further into the story, I mean, I want to bring someone in here. Oh, God. Coach. <laughs> Coach. This is the first time I, oh, no, this is the second time I've seen Brian since I broke his microwave. <laughs> my dad wanted to join us and uh dad what do you remember about ned good to see you brian oh, nice to see you ned uh he was the easiest guy i ever had to coach because i only had to open the gate for him and let him go because... <laughs> and then it was hard to open the gate to get him off because he'd never come off but yeah. <laughs> no, he was uh he was a very skilled kid yeah, and I mean, is it fair to say that he honestly, like, he really did elevate the rest of us? Because that's how I feel. Like, he, it was like somebody else for us to catch. Like, he really was that much faster than the majority of us, especially right out the gate. Like his first three steps. Like, it still is just crazy to me. Yeah, if we had another half and Ned, we might have been be able to beat Burnaby Winter Club in the finals all those years when we lose. <laughs> right we're just always one half ned short you know what i mean we needed one more like half a net and we would have been right there you know we tied him a couple times and once in peewee i think and i scored two in 26 seconds and then you scored to tie it with like a few seconds left which was crazy we came back with like two minutes to go um but i want to quickly talk dad before you hop off just i know you wanted to say hi tell us what you remember about that night in swift current because five goals and it wasn't just like five garbage goals it was and mikey was there ned's dad was there shout out to mike yep. and milk like holy I, shit yeah I, uh, I actually had a lot to do with sorry ned moving you from spokane to swift current so uh, i know but I knew what kind of player you would be uh adding to their lineup but um we flew into saskatoon that night and that was your first game and your mom and dad were there and yes. And you got spanked. Uh, it was probably eight or nine, nothing or something. And yeah. then I drove your mom and dad down to Swift Current, and all oh, it's going to get better, isn't it, Brian? It's going to get better, like because Spokane had a pretty good team, and he, yeah. they were pretty crushed. And then uh, so I sat with them at the game that night in Swift Current, and I remember it because I laugh all the time because I'd worked for Swift Current at that time. I don't know, ten or twelve years, who knows? But I've been to lots of games in Swift Current. But sat with your mom and dad, you got a goal, and then they're high-fiving everybody. And, you know, everybody in Swift Current's trying to figure out who are these people, and they're asking me, and I go, well, that's, that's their son over there. Then you get another one, and then he goes going down the row and then to the next section. Then you get the hat trick. High-fiving everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. You can't really run around the rink in Swift Current because the one end, you can now, but... but I'm not sure if you could then. I think he had to go down by the Zamboni, but he was going around the whole rink. Then the fourth goal, no idea, but I could, it was like a wave of starting wherever he was. And then the fifth goal, I'm looking to see what he's going to do now. He's having a beer in the governor's box. I've been there for 10 years, and I've never even been in there ever. So he's up, and he's waving. He's got a beer, and yeah, so I guess it got better after that. 
Yeah, that was quite the performance. Ned, what do you remember about that night? Tell us a little bit about that. Like, do you remember much of that? Because honestly, in my opinion, before you take it, you could have done that like almost every night if you really wanted to. And we could talk about that later. But that was, do you, do you feel like you maybe performed better when it was like pressure situations like that? Because looking back, I remember like, I know you pretty well from the way you play. And like in all the big games, usually it's like, you know, you, you found, you found a way, or if you knew people were watching, you found that extra gear. Like, what do you remember about that night? And, and why do you think it was so special? And why were you able to just go through everybody like butter? Like it was nuts. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I, I feel like uh, our hockey memory and our memory in general, Brady, we very similar. Like just that. I remember like even your, one of your first podcasts, you told a story about, uh, uh, Gilbert Brule's dad and I, I was thinking in my head he's probably gonna like you know fabricate the story a little bit for the viewers and I, I was like I told my dad I'm like it's literally the exact same story that happens I remember it like I was like he didn't even fabricate it for one second but so we had that same kind of memory and uh, I, I do remember that night like obviously I remember every goal every I even remember you had an assist and you're kind of mad we won like 7-3 and you only had a helper I think yeah and- yeah, yeah. So I remember that. You know, well, I had one, I had a goal. I had one goal, and you had you had five. Um, I do remember, and I I just feel like in hockey, when the puck kind of is finding you, and you're just, I think there's a lot of luck. It's like easy to say, yeah, I did this and that, but you know, the puck found me, and I, it's a little bit of luck too. I mean, like you got to be humble, and you can't just. I think it's just a combination. Everything was going right that night. I, I felt good. I remember before the game, I was really nervous because it was my second game, my first game at home. And the first, we got spanked by Saskatoon. I was like, oh, yeah. bad game. Like, they're going to think we didn't get a good product, so on and so forth. So I do remember it exactly how you remember it. And I, I remember when Brian talked to him, I remember looking at my dad, and he was in the box, <laughs> like, going like this and all that. I, like, I remember that, too. It's crazy that we all actually remember. Like, but that's how nuts the place was on fire. Like, I'd never seen the rink. I'd played there for years, and I still, I'd never, in playoffs, I mean, we never went on any huge runs, so I don't know what it was like when they just won the league, Dad, when you were there. But, like, that was, it, for a regular season game, that was insane energy. Like, I just, uh, I can't even tell you how crazy, like, it was just awesome. And to, the fact that it was, you know what I mean? Like, I got to watch you as a kid play with you. And then all of a sudden you were in Swift current and you're doing that in the best, you know, junior league in Canada. Uh, it was pretty cool to see, you know, it was, and I think that it was actually interesting. Cause I remember this interesting fact, the last time that someone had scored five goals before me, I forget who it was, but he was actually at that game too. So it was I kind of odd hole. Yeah. I believe it would have, would have been Todd Holt at that game, possibly. Um, and that was right around when he came back to the Swift Current area. Dad, do you know about that? Pretty sure it was him. But, yeah, I, I, I think he was talking to the to whoever after the game in the, in the lounge after, and they were talking about it. But, yeah, I think it was Todd. Yeah, and he's been on the podcast. He's a good friend of mine now and, and a great guy. Obviously, he went through a lot of stuff in Swift Current through the Graham James stuff. And uh, it's, you know, never great to bring that stuff up. But he's actually a great guy and was a hell of a player. So that's kind of cool that he was there, though. Um, I do. Now that you say that, Ned, I remember. Um, I remember actually like hearing about that because they did like a. They did like a thing for him. I'm pretty sure if I if I remember correctly. And I wish I would have remembered that when he was on the podcast. But um what about what about this video let's go back and revert to this video before i let my dad go that so we went out one night me you who was it me you kurt astle we won't go into crazy detail but who was in that video 
I think, it was, I, think us, I think it was us three. And I think it was only us three, to be honest. Yeah, it was just us three. And we went out with my dad's video camera. And because uh, my dad, he's a fire, retired firefighter. He'd be working the night shift. How many nights did we just rip it up at my dad's house while he was at work? But we weren't really that bad. I mean, aside from the microwave, the fireworks in the microwave, we weren't that bad. Like, we could have been doing worse stuff. You know what I mean? We were, we were very mischievous. We were just doing stupid shit. Like, we weren't, like, yeah. we weren't drinking or doing drugs. But we were, like... Exactly. It's like I wonder, like, if Brown would have thought it better for drinking. We we're lighting fireworks in his microwave, like, you know, like just we we're egging, we were egging cars. I know it's not smart, but we were having, we were just young, being stupid. Um, obviously, I wouldn't want my kids doing that now. No, no, and it's you uh, know what I mean. But we got caught for it, and I think knock on doors and run. We we, we <laughs> silly. It was good times. I like, like call people. It was the, the best part was is that you had a little tiny Prince George Cougar sweatshirt on that didn't even fit you. That was mine that you had on just as a joke. It was so funny. But I wanted to talk about the fireworks, Dad. What do you remember about having to put Ned in the penalty box before oh, you go? I remember it like it was yesterday, I swear to God. It was me, you, Connor. That was just us three in the box. I thought Scott Malone was in there too. He got he got let out, I think. He got released. He got out early for good behavior. <laughs> Holy shit. What? But we were outside because you guys were all getting ready for a practice at Planet Ice. It wasn't at Poco, it was at Planet Ice. And it might have been around now, just before Christmas or just after Christmas, and you had some leftover fireworks. Somebody did. Nobody knew that you had them. Mighty Mike's. You're all got track suits on and your nylon hockey bags, and the smoke's just billowing out of the dressing room. And it's, it's like Pearl Harbor, and I'm having a coffee with. Uh, Ingram, and we go running in there, and I've been in house fires that had less smoke than that place, and you guys are all in there laughing, and the rockets are going off, and it's about two minutes time, so I probably lost it, as I was known to do once in a while, but uh, so does everyone involved, you're in the penalty box, and you can watch the practice, and, and I remember um, Mike was really pissed off that you were in the pro in the penalty box so you were all in your gear too though that was a maybe Ned wasn't i don't know i can't well, remember, i was in my gear I, I was scared i was crying he was crying 100 percent. he was crying because i wasn't sure like what's gonna happen i get spanked when i get home i'm gonna get like yelled at i'm like I'm, i don't know if the my in trouble for all the parents, in the box. because in fairness all the parents were up in the bar they had no idea that what had gone on underneath where they were so yeah, that was an interesting day, and I, you know, there for the other kids, we we just kept the practice going. But I mean, I look back at it now; it's funny but stupid. But you could have all been in the burn camp or something. But um, yeah, it was a crazy. It was a great group of parents too, and uh, I remember I'd lock you guys in the dress, not lock you in, but keep you in the dressing room at the agrodome when uh, all the parents were fighting the other parents, and the police were there. And, oh uh, yeah, was crazy, that was crazy. I remember that. And then, yep. and then uh, one more story before I let you go, and you guys can reminisce, but it was the Poco Bantam tournament, Brady's dream or whatever, and Ned, was you got knocked out, hurt. Packed off on almost a stretcher. My back. My back. And Spokane was in the house, and they were watching. And and you're in the dressing room, and you're all buggered up, and you're, oh, I can't go, I can't go, which was too bad because you were our best player. And then... All of a sudden, there's a miracle cure. Uh, you come back to the bench, and I see Mike. Mike's pushing back out there, and you did come out and score after, but <laughs> of course you did. Enough to be 
<laughs> yeah. I remember that too. Yeah. But we still, man, we yeah. lost in the finals to Hangy, man. That was a, that was a tough break. Yeah. <laughs> His dad doesn't let me forget it either. So, man, every time I talk to him, he tells me. We used to be skating in practice in Swift Current. He'd be like, "How was that? How's that Poco Bantam turning, Leo?" Like all the time, like every day, just rubbing. Like five, ten years later, he's still going at me about it. So, pretty fun. But dad, thanks for joining us. What's that? Nice to see you. Where are you right now? Where are you, man? Where are you? Where are you? I'm in Poco now. He's coaching. I'm in Poco. Okay, well, we'll hook up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I kind of cut it. All right, I'll listen to the rest. All right, Dad, we'll talk to you later. All the best. All right, that's cool that my dad wanted my dad wanted to hop on not too long ago. Not too long ago, my dad didn't even answer my phone calls. Now he's coming special guest appearance on the podcast. That's pretty awesome. Thanks, Dad. Um, yeah, so it's. Lots to go over there. But, Ned, I want to talk. Let's get more into your hockey career. Um, tell me a little bit about what drove you to, like, the love of hockey. Like, where did you first start skating? I think it was the Agrodome, possibly, um, and that we were just talking about. Funny story how the parents were fighting there. That's where you learned to skate, I think. But tell me about, tell me a little bit about your love for hockey because, you know, your parents are obviously uh, European. They didn't play, did your, your dad didn't play hockey, right? So no hockey in the family, um, not Canadian born, um, but you play hockey like a Canadian. So tell me a little bit about where that love came from. I just remember, I actually remember the, it's strange, like, but just our memory, I remember the first time I stepped on the ice, I think I was three years old, I was, I had been watching my uncle uh, at Tastings Minor, right? Um, and I remember- Sorry, sorry, let me cut you off, sorry. Shout out, I'm, uh, we haven't spoken actually since Sasha passed away, and I'm very sorry for your loss, that was a very tough loss for the hockey community. Sasha Lakovic was Ned's uncle, and he actually came to our dressing, remember that? Yeah, I do. He came and he signed, he signed autographs for us. He played for the New Jersey Devils and is just was such a great guy. And that was such a cool memory that he did that for us. And he had his Ferrari and shit. Remember that? Yeah. Yep. That was so cool that he took the time to do that for us as kids. You know what I mean? That was a big deal. But sorry, go ahead, Ned. Keep going. And uh, yeah, no worries. Um, I played at Hastings my first time when I started skating. Um, we lived in Vancouver at the time where we grew up. And then, like, as I, we said earlier, I moved to Poco when I was about 10, 10 yeah, 10 or 11. It was Adam first year. Uh, you, you move as a young kid, you're pretty nervous because you don't have any friends. And I, like I said, I didn't know how really how good I was like at hockey. I knew I was good, but I didn't know like I feel like now kids that are like ten or eleven, they they think or know they're like super good. They're like they don't. They yeah, they just they think they're so good at going to the NHL at ten. At ten, I don't think any of us thought we're going to the NHL. I would just I love hockey. Yeah, and um, you know I guess. The rest was kind of history when I when I just loved playing. We loved playing outside. We were always outside playing hockey, and I still love hockey. I still want to stay involved in hockey. I'm not playing at yeah. the moment, but um, such a big part of our lives, right? It's all we kind of know, and it's all we're kind of known as as well. So it's kind of hard in that aspect also. Yeah, it's so yeah. We can get into the transition of hockey, but I mean, you you had a pretty pretty awesome pro career. I mean, maybe uh, by your standards, do you wanted to have a long NHL career? Sure. But if you reflect back on it, uh, you made a pretty good living at playing hockey. You got to travel and see the world. You, you played all over, you know, North America, uh, between the American League, the East Coast, and then over in Europe, all over Europe, which would have been cool. I know that could be a grind too. Um, but what kind of, what kind of headspace are you in now that you've shut her down? Um, and, and how's the transition been for you? 
it's it's very hard. I mean, I, I miss playing hockey because I mean, uh, your whole life you're all you're pretty much just known as a hockey player. People that know Neto, they associate me with hockey. Yeah, and that's kind of hard when a hockey player leaves playing professionally, playing at a high level. He's used to a routine schedule, mm-hmm. kind of being told what to do, where to go. In a sense, um, you're working out, um, you feel good, you're making money, um, and then this 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 season with COVID and everything, I was actually expecting and planning to play. Okay. Uh, because of the situation with my two kids, my wife, um, most leagues in Europe are canceled. The money's not what it once was. It's really, really poor. Um, no pun intended. I mean, it's just the money is poorly. Yeah. No, I know what you mean because it's dried up because of the sponsorship because of COVID, right? There are no fans. No, it's tough. It's tough. So I kind of got forced to stop playing hockey. I mean, um, which in a way, I think it's been easier because. I think if I had to do it on my own, it'd be like really hard and I may go back and forth. Yeah. Um, but now I feel like, you know, it's not just me. It's, it's not just hockey. People are dying. People are losing their businesses. So it's almost been a little bit easier to be like, you know what? This is just kind of how it happens. It's happened to everyone around the world. Um, yeah. not hockey related, but it's been hard because I miss playing. I still feel like I'm a good player. I still like have a lot in my body and things like that. So it's just hard because when you're young, yeah, I remember like being 21, 22 and guys, I remember like looking at, a, I remember looking at like a 30 year old being like, man, you're so old. Why are you still playing? Then I got to 25 and I'm like, wow, I'm a little bit old. I got to 30. I'm like, oh my God, I'm that guy. And I'm 34 now. And I still like playing. I feel like I still play for a few more years. It's just hard. It's just life. Um, you got to move on. You got to. Yeah. It's, 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 it's so common, Ned. It's, it's so common. All these guys that I'm talking to, they're all having that that's really tough transition. And that's a good point you made, though. I think COVID, it doesn't necessarily make it easy, but maybe it is easier to accept for you. And you mentioned to me last night that you're doing some coaching out at our arch rivals out in Burnaby Winter Club. You're a trader. But, I mean, if you're going to coach, you might as well go to the best, right? So, how's things out there? Um, is Len McNeely still involved in Burnaby Winter, Hawk, Winter Club or no? I haven't, I haven't seen him around there. There's a, lot of new, there's a lot of new faces around there. I'm actually coaching with a former uh, Michael Busto. You probably know him. No way. You're coaching with Busty? Yeah, yeah. No way. Another yeah, Swift Current. You, you wouldn't know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Him. I played with him in Swift Current, man. Like, come on. Yeah. That's what I thought so. Um. Coaching uh, young kids is, is, is a lot uh, different, a little bit difficult at this age or 11. Um, it's a different breed of kids generationally for hockey. Mm-hmm. I think, like like I said, a lot of kids now, whether you're really elite or you're just okay, you your goal is still like – and you think that you could probably make the NHL. Like I feel like um, – not that the expectations are unrealistic, but – you know, I don't think in minor hockey and our when we were playing, everybody wanted to play in the NHL. It was, it was fun. You just lived in that moment. Now it's I feel like there's so much pre- um, pressure, and um, a lot of these parents want it so bad for their kids. Um, you know, um, it's different because they see that I didn't play in the NHL full time, so they don't always listen. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Tough to get your message across, and it is a little bit tiring because they practice so much. I feel like it's almost overkill, but I'm enjoying it. I want to stay involved in hockey. I'd like to coach uh professionally i did apply a few places this off season because of covid nothing really transpired uh, yeah just keep trying buddy just keep putting your name out there keep doing your thing and i think honestly i think what you're doing with the kids i think that's a great start man like honestly i think you know i i think about it too and it's like okay well we have this pedigree yours is better than mine your your resume i mean uh for hockey so we just kind of assume that hey give us a job like we know right but 
um, I think it's good to kind of go earn your stripes a little bit, get out there and show that you're willing to show up uh, and give back a little bit. And I think you're doing a great job. I think you can have so much to offer these kids. And the problem with kids at that age, I find, is that they don't really understand what it takes, right? Like the fact that you played pro for so long, they have no idea what that takes and and how hard that is, um, what a grind that is. And um, it's it's a big commitment. And I think it's a danger. I think that's dangerous that parents are putting a lot of stress on these kids. How do you see kids handling the pressure these days compared to where our headspace was at? Like in say in a practice, Ned, like, do you remember like, let's say there are mood in a practice versus the way you see kids in a practice nowadays? Like how is their headspace and mood? So much different, so much different Brady. I feel there's kids like we, we were, I, I talked to a, a parent the other day about their, about their son. It, um, he, I could see this in the kid's emotions. He just so much pressure because he didn't score a goal. It was just, he was like, he was actually crying on the bench. I was like, pulled him aside. I let him know, like, and I let his mom and dad know that the, you know, like he, this is about just having fun. Doesn't matter. What, like, I think the parents now, they don't understand that at 12 years old, 11 years old, you're not making the NHL next year. I mean, look at me. I was 25, still trying to make it. There's so much at 11 years old. You're not at your peak. You could be so, you could be a first of our pick when you're 19. We don't know. Maybe you won't be. But I feel like so much pressure is put on them right now to be on AAA, playing the best traveling team, so on and so forth. Where when we were playing, I didn't even really – I told – like even talking to the other day to, to Mike, I said I didn't really realize I was good at hockey until I was like 15. And my dad mentioned the batting draft. I didn't know what that was. We were going to shell, literally yeah. not candy. And we are talking – I'm like, I didn't even know what that was. Whereas kids now, I think it's there's so much pressure. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues in hockey where like, I think the parents want it more than the kids. And I, I see – I think you're seeing that a lot more now where – that like they want that lifestyle for their kids, and um, a lot of the kids do love it. They want to be there, but I could just I feel like there's a lot of kids that are they're just not as into it as their parents. Yeah, and I mean that's a it's, it's kind of sad to hear that. Like I can kind of understand. Like it doesn't surprise me, Ned, because I mean I saw it when I was growing up, and I've seen enough of it and heard enough of it on YouTube and through different stories to see how it's kind of uh, progressed over the years um, in in not so uh, great of a way in that aspect as far as the pressure goes. And I think that's a dangerous uh, combination for these parents. And I think if anyone's listening as a parent, really take into what Ned's saying um, because uh, I mean. You, you build a kid up or, or you put a ki- pressure on a kid and then he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, make it or he doesn't, uh, things don't pan out when, when all that pressure is on him. It's, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, if you don't have the right supports in place, if you're not saying and supporting the kid in the right way. And, um, I think a lot of parents are, are misguided by overtraining, over practicing, um, all of that stuff. Now, do you see a lot of that? Yeah. Uh, overtraining and overpracticing is the number one thing. Um, I think at that age, you don't need to be doing more than two, three times a week. You know what I mean? It's my opinion. Um, I see kids now, they're on the ice four or five times a week with practices, with development, with one-on-ones. They're even in the gym at a young age, um, which is which is great and all, but um, I think there's overkill. I, I, I understand if you're 15, 16, you want to get a big you, you want to work on some things the kid wants to think. But if you're 10, 11, you don't need to be in the gym. You don't need to be at the track, you know, like let the kids be the kids, let the kids be kids and let the kids play. Right. I feel like there is a lot of overkill overtraining, and I feel that it's unnecessary. And that's just my opinion. I think, you know, I, I'm sure you'd agree. I, yeah, Ned, I, as I'm sitting here listening to you talk, you know, obviously we haven't spoke for a long time. I see like you've grown up a lot. Right. And, 
Um, I uh, like I'm just sitting here like you always were like in the best shape out of all of us. You worked out the most out of all of us um, and you were just naturally skilled out of all of us. But, you know, I really think that if you focus and you could really get something going and where you could put a program together um, based on, you know, your experiences and your skill sets and whatever you did um, training wise, growing up, everything. And you can use all that you're the type of guy that could really make an impact in some of these kids' lives if they listen. And more importantly, if the parents want to listen, right? They have no problem forking out the money. The money is never the issue with these parents, but they don't listen. They just want more, 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 more. Yeah. Well, my experience, my experience, I'll be honest, actually been pretty good. So every, everyone always said, nothing. like, why don't you do lessons? Why don't you do one-on-ones? What's well, it's a lot, it's easier said than done because you need to know parents with kids or be, mm-hmm. be everyone in Vancouver has a name. The unfortunate thing is, well, good or bad, uh, doesn't matter if you didn't play, but they think just because you played at a high level, you can automatically have a big name. It's not like that because there's so many reputable people, regardless if they played pro or not, they have their brand, they have their business, like any kind of business. So so now that I've actually been coaching, I've been doing lessons and I've been taking the time with the kids to just mm-hmm. show them that it's not about today. It's not about next season. Just because you play A2 or B1 or A3, it doesn't mean you can't be something next year, the year after. It's just about developing and having fun, being at, going to the rink and enjoying where you are. Um, it's, it's the most important thing. And I shared an experience with the kid last night just about my experiences. You know, like being 20, I, I thought I'd get called up, getting sent down. It wasn't a fun way to live. You know what I mean? There's, I just want at, at this stage, you go to the rink and just have fun, goof off. You know what I mean? So you always i'll say ned that you always brought the level of fun up to like the level 10 in the dressing room you but you actually were the first one to introduce jump around to the group that was the first time because you went up to spokane yeah tore it up you remember we were all pretending to be guys like you we were one guy was wally i think and what matt what was that guy's name matt uh matt keith Keith or Matt Keith, yeah, Keith. We were playing street hockey, pretending to be these guys that you were just got drafted by, and then you actually got called up and we're playing with them, and then you scored, which was so cool. Tell me a little bit more about that night, Ned. Like that was freaking cool, man. Because it felt, I think maybe maybe not all guys that were there, but it almost felt like I scored that night. You know what I mean? Because it was that close. We were that close. We were line mates in Bantam. You got called up. It was crazy. I could still see you skating out with that red jersey, with the half buzz, with the cage. Cause you're 15, you can't even wear the half shield. You got the cage underneath, motoring around and doing your little shit, and then you buried it in the far end. I'll never forget it, man. That was awesome. Tell me a little bit more about that night score and your first goal at 15 years old, man. Yeah, I, I remember everything about it. I remember the first couple, the first couple of periods. I played like two or three shifts, and I was just happy to be out there. And I remember I was playing pretty. I was kind of surprised. I, I thought I'd get knocked around. And I was like, I was I pleasantly surprised myself that I was like, oh, I can like, I was, wasn't getting knocked off the puck. And then I got a little more comfortable. I was just happy to almost be out there. And then the third, we were losing three, nothing or three, one. And the coach at the time gave me a, a, a good opportunity. I had this, I had this blue, remember the, remember the sticks, they were, the green ones were Z bubble. The brown ones were East. There, there was a blue one that not a lot of guys had. It was yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know. Look cool. And I had this blue Lidstrom curve. Mm-hmm. And Lidstrom, like, remember like the blade was like at the bottom. Oh. Like I use the Lidstrom curve because you use the Lidstrom curve. You're kidding. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the puck hits me in the slot and I scored on Brett Brett Yeager. I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Five holes, a snapshot, half slot, half half snapshot, half wrist yeah. shot. And I was so surprised it went in. I was just like, 
Yeah, yes. Two-hand like two so- celly, man. You were two-hand celly. I remember it. The biggest celly was my two-hand celly. Yeah. Uh, it was sick, man. That was so fucking awesome. I, I don't even want to swear, but that was honestly, that was so cool. I'm, I'm 14. Like the Giants, people have to realize that like you and I grew up, we didn't have a WHL team to watch. Exactly. At all. We didn't, we didn't even know what the WHL draft was until Carson Hamill got drafted by Spokane as well. Exactly. Shout out to Carson Hamill. Um, and Zach obviously got drafted by Everett in Boston. And, and we, I want to talk a little bit more about Providence when you lived with Brad Marchand later. Um, but we didn't have a WHL team to watch. We wanted, we all wanted to play for the Poco, the Poco Buckaroos Junior B. You know what I mean? That's what we went off in the Coquitlam Express. Yeah. So yeah. when the Giants came to town, I think that was just a year or two before you got called up. So it was a big thing playing at the Pacific Coliseum. The Canucks used to play there. That's where I used to go with my dad as a kid yeah. to watch Pavel Bure. Yeah. It was like I used to go watch all the Giants games when they first started, and yeah. then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, my line is playing and the freaking guys go i was so we were so jacked in the stands your parents were jacked it was such an awesome experience the picture do you have that picture still from the newspaper holding the puck i have the picture of the newspaper i also have a picture of you guys i wish i i wish i had it here it's down i have this like memorabilia thing it's like you and kevin and robbie and a whole bunch and jake and you guys are all shirtless with a letter of letter on your each each come on and it's and it's in black. You might the picture. I'll have to send you it. It's in yeah. Please like, do. Dad in the background. It says Lukasovic, and you guys are all have a like a a letter yeah. each. Like you guys are got your shirts off. It's a it's an amazing memory. Yeah. It's like yeah, man. That was so. Like I didn't really mention it in the intro, but like so we didn't really have much to go on. Like so if you don't get drafted, like I remember Carson got drafted to the WHL, and I remember like googling it a little bit there was not even much internet back then but i was like okay and i remember him going actually i remember him going to camp and getting his his uh his nut sliced open or something during training camp and even getting sent home he got some freak accident well anyways you got drafted to spokane after and that's really when i started to you know dive in more into the the whl because the giants were there and but like if you don't play in the whl and like you don't come to poco like there's no way i ever play in the whl like there's just no way i would have never believed that i can get there if i don't see you do it first even if i know i'm not as good as you i'm like well i could play with them and like he's probably gonna be one of the best players in that league so i could play in that league too i'll just be a little bit that was my mentality so i owe you like and i said that in the intro but Ned, you don't even understand how much you elevated uh, me as a person on the ice and obvious and how much you made me laugh. And we, we ripped it up. Hey, eh? like we had so much fun as kids. You can't replace the, the childhood memories you have. And when I tell people, it's just like, I'm so thankful for my parents. Like even tell my yeah. wife, like even, I feel like we have the same kind of memory. Even when like I smell it, I can smell a tennis ball. Just thinking about it. I can feel that. I can feel the rollerblades. Yeah. Yeah. The child, I just hope I can give my kids the same childhood yeah. memories, whether it's in sports or not. But that, that's the biggest, the best part about hockey. Like, hockey wasn't about, all, like, I don't remember. I remember a lot of the goals I scored, a lot of the assists, a lot of the wins, a lot of the losses. But I remember just, like, I remember just as many crazy things as you do as a kid. Like, like I remember the one time Jackson Marsh swore my hockey career at uh, Castle Park, and I chased him around the rink, remember? Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. Remember that was the big thing. They'd be like, "Are you lying?" Swear Ned's career, and they'd be like, "No." Yeah. No. Swear Ned's career, but he was lying. And I yeah. just went ancient. And I chased him around around the tennis court. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course I remember that. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Oh my god, you know, 
Oh man, that's so funny. I can't even believe you just threw that out there. I I could still see him running away. Oh my god, that's so funny, man. Right. I remember I I remember the first time I saw you actually play. I, I remember I met you because I, I heard you were really good. And I was like, I was like, is he that good? Like what's like and, and oh. I remember the first time I saw you, you, you would you'd be shocked to remember this. You had the red and white Nike gloves. I have that see. And I think I think you had what did you have white Nike skates too? Oh yeah, fucking rights I did. Yeah, the old not the Federals, but they're all white. And I was like, you had really nice hands. You're really good. Um, yeah, you were always you were always really skilled. I remember like you scored a sick goal in Spokane, I think, when I would play to you guys, didn't you? Yeah, that was my first WHL goal. I scored actually against you guys. I yeah. off the face off. I poked Gary Gladue. Shout out to him. Now he's in Poco too, or he was. Glad's a good guy. I played with him in the East Coast League, but I poke checked him and and went down. And I remember you skating by me, and you're like, "Good job, like good, like you were happy for me, right?" And like I think that was another thing. Like I, that was in December. I was having a really rough go in Swift Current. I wasn't scoring, and and that was playing against you. I think that's probably why I scored. You know, I wanted to impress you. It was like yeah. fuck. I'm the first guy. I was the first guy from Poco to play against you in the WHL. You know what I mean? So it was like, okay, like, and then Zach came and and I think you might've played against camps too, but like there weren't too many guys that you were like the only one. So it was like, I always, like I said, I always wanted you to co-sign everything I was doing. Um, But check out this picture there. I got, there you are in the top row there and I'm in the bottom there, but that's from uh, Bantam. Look at all those guys in that picture. I can, yeah, I can name all the, I can name all the guys in that picture. Joel Delgarno there beside me played professional lacrosse. I'll send it to you after, but yeah, that was a fun year. And um, I wanted to say too, uh, I, so I'm, I didn't play hockey for like, I didn't skate for like eight years. I'm playing again. I'm playing senior men's out here for the maximum things. Well, I'm not like I'm man. I'm so out of shape. It's, it's honestly, it's bad, but it's, it's slowly coming back to me. So I've been skating a couple of times and I've done this pass a couple of times. It's fake clapper uh, in the leg slap shot pass. Okay. And put it right on these guys tape. And they, all these guys never seen it before and they love it. And I tell everybody, I'm like, I stole that from my buddy, Ned. And I tell him the story when you did that. Do you remember that goal? You, that pass? Was, it against, was it against North shore West van? No, it was against, uh, it was in Polk. You definitely did it twice. I think it was against Aldergrove to be perfectly honest. Actually, it actually was, it was against Aldergrove. Yeah. But was it my first game back from the Buckaroos or no? No, that was against North Van. That's when you that's when that's when you went out on the first shift and did the same thing you did in Swift Current. They started net on the first shift after you came back from Junior B at 14 or 15 or whatever it was, 15, I guess. And um, because back then that was the thing to do was to play junior B at 15. There was no major midget, no prep programs no nothing and it was unheard of it was unheard of for 15 year olds to play Um, and you played a few games and then the following years really when they start to bring the 15 year olds in more but uh, they they sent you back down or you decided to come back down because you wanted to play more and i'll never forget it you you started the game and uh you scored off the first shift and then right off the face off again you went and did the same thing again it was crazy it was like within 15 seconds you literally got the puck went around the net went through everyone scored drop the puck, get the, get the puck, go around the net, score again. And it was just like, holy shit. I think we won the game 2-1. I remember thinking like two at the time, I, was, I, I, I went up, as I was young, when I was young, I was really humble. Like I didn't really, and as I, as I got older, I was like, okay, I'm way better, a little bit more cocky. And yeah. then I got older again in pro, like I was like, I missed another player. Like I, you kind of let that egotistical thing go. But I remember being like, oh, this is so easy right now. Like, I don't know. It's like, 
should I have come back? Because I remember me and my, my dad was out one day, and like, I'll, he's going to listen to this. And my mom and I are sitting on the couch, and I just like, it, me and my mom, I'm just like, I'm going back to Bantam. And my mom was like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, call the coach right now. So we called Rob right away, and we, then my dad came home. He's like, what? What'd you do? You need to play here to go major junior, I remember. And I was like, oh, geez, what did I do? And then I scored two goals. I was like, my dad's going to be like, see, it's too easy for you. So I was just like, I remember scoring, but like, ah, this was easy. But uh, it, anyway, I remember yeah. You tore it up that year. And another story that I wanted to remind you of. And, and so there was a tournament. It was the Burnaby Christmas tournament at Copeland, which is a pretty big tournament. And um, if you look at the history of that tournament, I wish I would have pulled it up. But I just kind of remember this as we were sitting here. Um, there's a significant list of uh, they do a first team all star and best forward and all that. And you made the first team all star uh, that year. I believe you might have even got maybe Reed Jorgensen got top forward because they won, but I, I you know, anyways, you, you were, you were definitely on the top, you know, whatever made the all-star team, which was a big deal. And which was really cool. And if you look at the list of players, like it's guys went on to for phenomenal careers, some of them, and it was cool, but we got to um, the semifinals against Abbotsford. Abbotsford. Uh, we had to play them and we, or we had to win against, I think, I want to say Kamloops in the quarterfinal to get to Abbotsford. So then we went to out for lunch to Red Robin, me, you, Robbie, Dal, and I want to say Jake, maybe. And we're sitting there and sure as shit, Ned goes like this. Ned goes, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to go into overtime and I'm going to score the overtime winner. And we're like, okay, Ned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember sitting at Red Robin. He called his shot. Sure as shit, we're playing Abbotsford. Kyle Comiskey's on that team. Michael Funk's on that team. They had a good team. Kyle Comiskey was maybe one of the, like, was up there with you. He was fast, bro. That guy could skate. Little tiny guy, but man, he was good. Clone Rocket guy played for Colorado Avalanche and a couple other teams. But anyways, sure as shit. I don't know what it was. Like, Fuck 40 seconds into OT, bud. You just wind her up behind the net, come across the blue line, clap daddy, see you later. Big Selly, we're going to the finals. You remember that? I remember Selly. I did like a, I think I did a canoe thing. I forget who saw on Rock'em Sock'em who did it, but I remember doing that. Yeah. I remember like the exact, I can remember the exact goal, everything about it. So that's why I said we have like the same memory. A lot of people with uh, hockey, they usually forget like little things, but I feel like I've, Every, even my regular day life, I remember just like silly, stupid things, you know, but um, yeah, yeah it was, those are the best memories that you, those are priceless, you know, it was so much fun, man. We used to hang out at my dad's there, go in the hot tub all the time. And we had a couple like parties and like, we never took it to well, an extreme. Parties, it was just like, we had some Cokes, chips, they'd be, yeah. the, odd, they'd be the odd guys having like a beer or something, but it was yeah. like, it was like really good, like clean. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember like on the one New Year's, we didn't even drink. We made like a dance. We created this dance and da- oh my God, man, we had so much fun. There were so many girls around too. And I have every time I hear uh, Shakira, whenever, oh. wherever, and Kylie Minogue, uh, can't get you out of my head. That was that New Year's night. That was that New Year's night. Yeah, that was, um, that was fun. That was like me, you, Jake, and good times, man. Like I, I'm so thankful that, that I had those times, right? Like I look in and this is, and I'll bring this up. I wasn't going to, but like, I look at a guy like Connor Didman. Okay. So I brought him up in the, the beginning. So you obviously played with him there in first year Adam or second year Adam or whatever it was. Again, he was on our peewee team that year uh, that we won the Burnaby winter club tournament. Uh, Connor's like homeless still right now, maybe in jail. I don't know where he is. It's really sad. Connor's had tons of issues um, for a number of years, but him and I were really close. And like, 
I look at a path that he took, um, which is a path that I easily could have taken a lot earlier. I mean, yeah, sure. Did I end up in some of the same spots in, in being homeless, jail addicted? Sure, I did. And uh, but however, he started to go through that a lot earlier than I did. And I was afforded a lot of great memories. Um, and and, you know, I kept playing hockey and, and hung around with guys like you. And that kept me out of trouble um, without question, without question question um if i don't have friends like you and the guys i'm i'm long gone to all that shit because i was going through so much um at a young age like i just held on to that hockey and the hockey friends and that's what i live for right we'd sit we weren't together we were all talking on msn messenger and that's just what we did right and it just kept me away from from everything ned so man thanks man for all the memories it's it's seriously they're priceless like you said the memories, I mean, I have so many good, great childhood memories of you also, like my childhood, you know, like most of it involved with with you and great memories too. And I, I like, I feel like um, it, that's, it's tough. I mean, I actually saw Connor about a month or two ago at Safeway. I was, and he, he's like, Ned, and he's like, those are your kids? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, how you doing, man? He's like, good, good. He looked like he was doing pretty okay. Like, I, I you can't tell on the, on the surface. Everyone can. Yeah. But, um I've seen him a few times actually where I've said hello to him and do you need anything? And um, yeah, the conversation was pretty short. I saw him in situations that I, you know, it was tough to, to, to see him in. So yeah, it's, but it's, I've always, I've, every time I see him, I always have a conversation with them. We always talk like yeah. never be, we always have a laugh. It's kind of funny. It's not funny, but it's sad to see someone going through all that. And he's, you can see he has that smile on his face. I feel like he, it's hard. I don't. I don't understand it. And I, but I. I want to be empathetic and sympathetic. And and you know. I hope. It's hard because people say, "Oh, get clean, do this." Sometimes I feel like it's probably hard for people that have never been through it. It's easier said than done. You know, like it's like yeah. when you're retired from hockey. They say, "I oh, just get a job. It's fine." Yeah, but you. I don't have a. Some hockey players, they don't have a degree. They don't have a. They don't have any kind of education. It's hard to just be like, "Hey, guy, hire me." You know. Yeah, I play hockey. Well, what else do you do? Um, nothing. Like yeah. I play hockey. I go to the rink when they tell me to go. I, I work out when they tell me to go. They tell me what if we're on the road. They tell me what hotel room I'm in. Um, like seriously, right. It, it's extremely difficult. And that to me is a big gap missing and something that needs to be talked about. I think at a younger age, maybe at the junior level is preparing guys for life after hockey, whenever that may be. Right. There's it's, it's hard. There's so much of that anxiety in hockey. And like when, when that thing came out with the Kima Lou last year about Bill mm -hmm. Peters or two years ago, I, was it a year ago? I was so happy. I was like, finally someone speaking up about this shit going on. So there's so many yeah. of these coaches at the pro levels. My experience with coach been really good. Um, they've been hard on me, but I haven't had any of that power, or like abuse yeah. of power over me, but I've seen with other players, friends that it's just like, Holy geez. Like how, they get away with it, like the, the Babcock, the Bill Peters, and people out there thinking like that doesn't happen that often. It happens way more than you think, way more than you think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Guys, guys are, are nervous wreck going to the rink. Some guys like if you get on the wrong side of a coach, it's you're fucking cooked for lack of better terminology. And and it's some of them will just bury you too. Like they don't even want to trade you. They'd rather just healthy scratch you every second game and put you on the fourth line and just torture you. I swear to God, some guys get like, get joy off that. Brady, my first year pro, I, I had signed with the Kings. The first camp that I went to, I was the last guy sent down with Matt Molson. 
I'm not even fabricating the story. Mark, Mark Crawford said to me, he learned, I sat in his office and he's like, you need some seasoning. You'll be back here in January. And I was like, oh my God. I'm like, what is going on? Wow. And then I, I was in the American League. I played 13 games. And at that time, I didn't really, I was an energy guy. I was put into this energy role where I was just fast. And I, but I didn't relish the role. I wish I'd go back in time because I would have just been an energy guy. But when you're young, in junior, and you score a lot of goals, you think, I need to score goals. I need to get points. And that's the, also the thing I'm teaching kids now, too, is you can have your own craft and make it as a stay-at-home defenseman. Everyone thinks you have to be a superstar or a, a Sidney Crosby to score goals. And that's what I thought. Same. Same. I ended up getting sent down. And same as you, 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 you had a great agitating role like a Brad Marchand. Where that's, how he, that's how he got broken to the league. And then he found some skill, and now he's a skilled guy. But he, when he broke into the league, he wasn't a skilled guy. He was skilled, but he played a role that they liked. He found a niche, right? So uh, my first year pro, I got sent. I was in the American League. I, I did poor. I remember I got sent up to the ECHL. I remember like it was yesterday, and I was like, I don't want to go down there. Horrible experience. Dr. Redding? Reading, but the ECHL now wasn't what it was like 14 years ago. It was a lot older guys, still a good league, but more like really mean potatoes. Guys that weren't good enough in the American League that were just kind of going there to collect the paycheck. Whereas now there's a lot of young players, college players. They're really good. The ECHL is a really competitive, really great developmental league. Yeah. When I got sent down there, I had a whole, I had a horrible attitude, and I don't. I, for years, I blamed the coach and things, but you have to look at yourself in the mirror. It's like, obviously, I w- looking back now, like, fuck, I would have hated myself too because I was had such a shitty attitude. Yeah. Like, I went there with shit attitude. But I feel like the coach didn't take enough. Um, I didn't have a relationship with them at all. And, like, my bad attitude wore him off right away. And mm-hmm. then after months, I was like, you know what? I, I got to change my ways. Like, And I'm not blaming him at all. You know, I was an adult. You got to be pro. I just didn't understand what life was as a pro. And then he yeah. – he, after six months, I was like, I'm really sorry. I came with a shitty attitude. And he he didn't accept my apology at all. It took me, and I was with him for two years. And near the end of my second year with him, he finally was like, you're coming along. But I felt like those, and then after that second year, Brady got traded. Um, but I, I'd say I'm, my point in blaming him, not at all. I'm taking it all on me. But I, I didn't really know what pro was like. I didn't really have someone to. Exactly. You know, but that's, it's, it's I'm not blaming anyone. I'm saying my attitude Barrier. I got myself buried because of my attitude, and then it took me another year or two to get back in the AHL, where I finally built my my name up again and my kind of my hockey career. But for for two years, I felt like I was just I was so like down. And you're young, and at that time, you're not you're not like talking about anxiety. You're like, you, it wasn't like the mental health thing was like I, you don't talk about that, right? Because they're like, oh, you're weak um, in the hockey world. So I was just like, I guess it's the business. And yeah, I remember a tell funny story. Not that funny. It was my first year. I had I had enough. I was we were playing in Cincinnati with the coach, and the coach just he played me two three shifts a period in the ECHL. My first year on contract. I remember it was the second period. I hadn't played a shift and I hadn't played a shift in like twenty minutes. He's like, Ned, go out there, and I'm like, I got I got on the ice and I just fired the puck over the glass, take a delayed game penalty, and I went right to the room and I changed my gear. I got on the bus. And I remember thinking, Oh my god, what did I just do? So. Um, you get those little things when you're a young pro, like just those laps of judgments and things like that. So um, for a couple of years, I, yeah, I, I did get buried, but a lot of it was because of kind of how I was, you know, rubbing the coast the wrong way, rightfully so. I would have probably disliked myself too, but a lot of players, sorry, I'm kind of sidetracking. No. When they go pro at that young age, they don't understand everything. They don't really know, you know, like you're not in the NHL, so you're mad. You're in the AHL, you're happy, but then you get sent down. And at the time it's a lot older guys, and as a younger guy come in, there's a lot of jealousy and, you know, a lot of the older guys don't want you to do well. So they're happier getting benched. Then you kind of feel alone. Yeah. Uh, 
So there, yeah, it's like you said, a recipe for disaster in that sense. So it took me until I got traded where I really built myself, my career again. That's such a great point, Ned. I want to talk about your time in Providence, but I want to go back there for a second. And I mean, we'll probably wrap this up in the next 15 minutes, but I'd love to have you on again because there's so much to talk about. But I want to, you know, it's such a great point. And I've talked about this a lot on past episodes and you just uh, hit hit a couple points that maybe I've thought about, but haven't really been able to, to maybe get the message across. And I think you, you talked about a lot of great things there. People don't understand the games that go on inside the dressing room, like, you know, like you just mentioned, when you go down to the coast from the A and you're on a show contract, um, those older guys, uh, yes, they are in fact, a lot of them happy that you're getting benched and you feel alone. And <clears throat> excuse me, that's how I felt a lot of the time in Victoria. When I got sent down, I was on an American league contract on a one way. And it was like, they tried to take advantage of my money because I had more money. Like when they'd find me more, um, it was, not that I had a lot of money or anything, but I guess maybe to them that I was making a little bit more than them. It's not like it lasted or anything, but they would try to like, you know what I mean? They would find me more for little things. Um, and yeah. And it, there's nobody, nobody showed me in the Western league, what it was like to be a pro. Nobody showed me what it was like to be a guy in the Western league. Like you just show up and you kind of got to figure it out. Like if there is more of an education process for players to go through for a uh, seriously like a class how to freaking be a pro okay maybe it should be simple but sometimes it's not you want to know why it's not because hockey's emotional yeah. hockey's emotional we we play with our emotions it's a high speed game we react we have to think quick it's physical it's emotional so by you sharing that story which i thank you for sharing by shooting the puck over the glass and going to the the, the which is a terrible mistake by the way um but and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I mean, me quitting Swift Current is even worse. Like, so that's what I'm saying, though. And there's other things that we could go into on the next episode about things that I've done and uh, that definitely get you behind the eight ball. But there's the answer right there, Ned. So anybody that's trying to break into pro, you better do a little bit of research about what coach you're going in to talk to. Uh, what kind of players does he like? What kind of personality does he, I, these are things I never thought about. Go have a conversation with the coach and, and talk to the coach yeah. and get to know them. And because that to me will go further uh, than anything. Cause it doesn't matter how good you are. If he doesn't like you, he'll bury you. So uh, when you're young, it's not just, um, you're, you're very reactive when you're a young pro and you're kind of expected. Like after I got told I was going to be in LA in January, then I went from the HL to the ECHL. I yeah. was, my, it was my attitude just stunk. I wasn't drinking. I didn't do drugs or anything like that. My attitude was just so bad at the rink. I didn't want to get to know the guys whose fault that that's obviously my fault. I just wish I had a little more guidance about how to be a pro. What is being a pro? Well, it's having a bad day at the rink. The next day being like the world's not over. I go to the rink every day. And instead of like one day being bad, like the first day was bad. I'd be like, Okay, well, let's be, let's today be a little better. I'd be like, I don't care. I'm going to, it's going to be bad again today. You know yeah. what? It's also that mental toughness that a lot of young people don't have. Um, but there is that, there is that in that hockey where you, where you do get sent down. There's, there is, I think it's, I think it's less and less now. But when you, when I got sent down, I was the only guy on my team with an NHL contract. I just felt there was a little bit of jealousy. And then I was overcompensating, trying to like get, get the older guys to like you or going out of your way to try and like suck up. But then they, you could, they just tell it was forced. Um, but like you said, getting to know the coach, having a relationship. And I think that's just a lot about maturity too, right? Like as I've gotten older, I've been yeah. one of the to talk to the coach and just have a coffee with him or talk about what's going on in the room. When you're young, you're scared to talk to the coach, which is fine because a lot of the – you don't need to be in the coach's office when you're young. Yeah. Um, 
but it's great. Like when you, when you have those coaches that have open door policy, you, you're lucky. Like I've had a few of those coaches were so easy to talk to and there were other coaches were, weren't as easy, but um, it goes back to this, that thing. A lot of coaches, people think, oh, and no, all that guy's being soft. And I'm not saying my story. I've, I've been lucky in my career to have great coaches, great mentors. There's a lot of guys, not me, um, Akeem Alou, where they deal with a lot of, not physical, not, not physical abuse, but mental, emotional there. And that happens. And so, um, so I was really happy when, kind of sidetracking when that, when that whole thing came about and, and the Babcock thing where he put Marner on the spot, like that, that can make your teammates hate you. Like there's no need for that shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very fine line between, you know what I mean? Uh, the supporting your players and, and dealing with players. Um, and I think maybe for any coaches, especially the, you know, coaches coaching younger guys uh even coaches coaching junior especially the guy the coaches in the major junior like i feel like some of them um they just expect you to be a pro because they were a pro but they don't actually take the time to explain it to you you know what i mean i think there there could be a lot more done instead of just expecting guys to figure it out i think we would see a lot more benefits if we could just slow it down a little bit and say hey you know or whatever it is whether it's through agents or whatever because i think as hockey players we're just so like guided by everything that they tell us we just assume that they're leading us in the direct the the right direction and that things are going to happen the right way um and sometimes little things that we do or outside things happen and it can have a major effect on your career and if you don't address it the right way that can be lights out right and and the the amount of ability between guys is not usually so far it's it's about opportunity and 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 rolling with it and and that's it um before before i let you go in we, we wrap it up um tell me about living with brad marshan out in providence what kind of guys brad marshan because everybody wants to hate on this guy um but i don't know him i'm sure he's a beauty but i just respect the shit out of the way he plays because i was the same way you know what i mean amazing guy there's he's hilarious he's absolutely hilarious um there's some of my best memories are from that year with him just off the ice being silly. We have so many stupid memories. I actually played with Zach that year too. Yeah. Yeah. Zach Hamill from Poco. Um, but he, he's an, he's the kind of guy you want on your team. He, he'd do anything for his teammates. Um, he really wants to succeed. He's really hungry. Um, but he's a guy that you just love having in your corner. And he, like, if he loves you, it doesn't matter if you're a fourth line guy or an energy guy or a scorer. If he like, if he likes you, he'll go to bat for you. And uh, yeah, I only say good things about him. There's um, a, yeah, I, re I remember actually seeing, like, I remember being on Facebook years ago and uh, you were, you guys, this is before he even broke into the NHL, but had played at the World Juniors. Yes. I remember seeing pictures of you and Zach and you guys just hanging out, looking like you have a great time. Uh, and he's obviously gone on to such a, fantastic career and it's a great point before we wrap it up here again i keep saying that but then there's more to talk about that's why we need to do two more three more episodes eventually um but it's i got i got, I got about 20 minutes if you want to keep going okay, cool. all right cool and then you got to do the dad thing eh yeah i got I, uh yeah i got 25 25 minutes we can talk a little longer yeah beauty so i i love the point that you made about you know finding a niche and, and being you know, not focusing on having to be just that skill guy, right? Like not because that was me. I thought I had to be Pavel Bure. That was my, that was the only way for me. It was like you're Pavel Bure or bust. And when I couldn't be Pavel Bure, it was like, okay, well, I'm going to fight a little bit more. But I still, I never really found uh, that identity because I lacked on my defensive play for so many years. Um, and 
I think, you know, players, if they can focus on on the little aspects of the game, like you said, being a stay-at-home defense, and guys can make a good living at, at blocking shots and, and just being safe, you know? So what's your advice uh, for some of these young kids? If you had to give some young kid advice that said, Ned, um, like an elite hockey player, like, you know, going into the WHL, if you had one piece of advice, what would it be? It depends what kind of player you are. So, I mean, if, if you're naturally a skilled player, you're a power play guy, you're really good, you're, that's what you're going to do. But as you grow older, you're going to have to develop different parts of your game. So when I was young, I was really skilled. I didn't really know how to forecheck hard uh, until I went to Providence where, where I was put into this forechecking role. I just, the coach just said, you're going to forecheck, you're going to work hard, you're going to block shots. And I was like, okay. I was like, I wasn't happy. But I was like, okay, that's so easy. And like the team was like, this guy's the hardest. I was never known as my on my team as the hardest working player ever. On Providence, just because that's all I was asked to do. Everybody like this guy works insanely hard. Little did they know that was the first time that I was ever like in that role. When you're young, though, you just think it's about scoring goals. You need you need points. You need points. Whereas in when you look back, American League, most of the guys that get called up to the NHL, they're not guys that are top point guys. There is guys, but it's the role players. They need to, they need to fill a void. Okay. We'll call up the guy in Providence who has 20 points. What about the guy that has 70 points? Well, this guy fits, fits a better role for us. He can skate fast. He can block shots. He can maybe play some odd power, power play penalty kill. Um, but growing up, we're just taught as I want to be Cindy Crosby. I want to be Ryan Getzlaff. I want to be Connor McDavid. And that's great. Kids have to have goals. But what I'm trying to teach kids now is you can still make it just because you're big and you're a little bit slower. Maybe a team might like you develop your foot speed, develop your shot. There's so many more ways now to make it in hockey where there always was, but you just didn't know it. I, you, when you're young, you don't know. So I went to my first camp and after the camp, I, I just had, I was hitting guys and I was like, you know, I'm just going to play. I'm just going to play hard all around. And Dean Lombardi said to me, you know who you remind me of? And I said the dumbest thing ever. I'm like, he's like, who do you roll your game after? And I said, Brad Richard, remember in Tampa, not Mike Richard, Brad Richard. He's like, Brad, he's like, who do you think you are? He's like, you are Sean Donovan Jr. You remember who that is? Yeah. Like, oh my God, that's what he said to you. I'm like, I'm like, I'm just, I was like, I was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, you're Sean Donovan, but more skilled. He's like, that's what you'd be in the league. But so when he gave me that advice, instead of being like, you know what, just take it and just like, just really carve out a great role. I spent two years in the minors, being like, I need to get points and get in the power play. I'd always look at other guys. I'd be like, well, he has ten points and I have five. I, I need, I need ten. I need two points tonight. Where instead of but my friends are on the third, fourth line. They just cut off their role and ended up making a much more successful NHL, even, even if it was part-time. So um, the big message, I feel like you can always do something even if you're not skilled. You can just keep developing, getting faster, getting better. You have to have hockey sense too, but you know that can come as well. Yeah, and those are great points. And Kyle Quincy was on recently. He talked about that, about how he, yeah, he was never really great at anything, but he was kind of good at everything. And and took took pride. You start to take pride in the things that other guys don't want to do, like blocking shots. And that to me, like people have to realize, and parents have to realize too, that like scouts are always watching. They're not just watching your kid. They're watching you. They watch how you act too. They don't want to deal with nightmare parents. Take that into consideration, parents. Be a fly on the wall. Like, I'm serious. You know, I don't want to put any bad parents on the spot, but the only reason I will is because he did it himself. Gilbert Brule's dad was a nightmare. And I don't know if you saw the article, but 
did you ever see that article that came out where Gilbert talked about it? I would love to talk to Gilbert because um, he was, to me, he was the best player around my age. 87, there was nobody better. Him and Bradford were knockout the best players around. But Gilbert was better than Brock, in my opinion. But his dad put so much pressure on You talked about the story earlier about how he tried to buy the puck off me. Um, and he ended up, I think he ended up buying the puck. but Or no, he didn't. I can't remember exactly how it went now that I'm drawing a blank. But... You remember that story. It just there's a lot of pressure. And even though Gilbert went on to to make it to the NHL, he didn't have the career that he should have. And a big part of that, I think, was the pressure that was put on by his dad and also the attention that his dad brought um to the organization. It's like it's 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 pretty tricky, don't you think? Like it's and I don't know what it's like, but you mentioned earlier, Ned, these parents are just hungry, hungry, hungry to get their kids to the next level. And it's sometimes detrimental. It's like we we could go tit for tat either way because then if you're a parent, you say, well, I don't push my kid enough. He, I didn't push him enough, right? Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to go into the brulee thing. I, I really like Gilbert. Yeah. Still talk so do I. I, lo- I. I like Gilbert a lot. I just mean he came out so with a story. parent would push their kid, they'll say, like, if I had I had not put, pushed my kid, maybe he wouldn't have made it. You don't know. Um, I was never really pushed hard. Like, I, my dad pushed me enough, but I'm like – there's a lot of kids that talk about getting in the van after the game. They're really scared. I was never scared if I played a bad game. I, even if I played like a, a bad game, I'd be like, oh, I'm disappointed. My parents, both my dad, especially, be like, no, it's okay. You'll get it back next game. Um, and even my dad says sometimes, I could have, wish it could been a little harder on you, but I still made it. So um, for sure, push your kids. Um, but yeah. don't, yeah. get, don't be a parent like parents out there. Don't, when your son gets to the car, be like, what the F are you doing? And, and, and make them hate being scared to come in the room. In, in the car I think there's the fine line there's like you know what you gotta work you gotta I, I have no problem with parents telling the kids you gotta work harder you gotta pass the puck more you're being selfish stupid penalties listening to the coach those are things you can be like you know what that's bullshit son you gotta listen to the coach you gotta stop taking bad penalties but if it's like you didn't score you didn't play a great game but you the kid was I know it's cliche the kid's working hard that's what's that's what's important and you, you don't realize Absolutely. as you get older um there was a kid on our team. He had a tough game. He was really down. I said, man, you worked hard. You created a lot of chances. And he was happy after that. But I feel um, there's not all parents like that. There, there's so many great parents out there. I oh, mean, yeah. 100%. 100%. Sorry, great. This is not just hockey. We're just generalizing um, about, you know, how hard to push your kid. I think you need to push your kid to the point where he still enjoys going and doing doing the extracurricular hockey things, right? You don't need the kid to get in the car and be nervous like, oh, shit. You can for sure say, you know, teach, discipline, um, but like the Patrick O'Sullivan things, like beating your kid or scaring the shit out of them because that might make them successful. I'm not on board for that. Yeah, no, I know. It's just, it is that fine line. And I think, you know, it's, I never really felt that pressure from my dad either. I don't know. My dad, uh, I wish my dad actually would have pushed me a little bit harder, to be honest. Um, But I think he just, knew that I was pretty fragile from a young age. He just let me kind of do my own thing. But um, I just, I see it uh, in in parents' eyes. Even I've seen a little bit of uh, parents in the last, let's say, six months. I won't say where or anything because it doesn't matter. But around the rinks now that I've been around and, and, you know, talking to some parents and just always eager, some of them, not all of them, but just so eager to like want to know like what they can do more, what they can do more, what they can do more. And I just like take a break maybe like, you know, just the fact like, I just feel like, you know, these kids got to enjoy it. When was the last time you saw someone play street hockey? 
And I was thinking about that today. We would be playing scrabble all the time, all day. I was telling my wife the other day, after school, yeah, we'd make food and meet at the tennis courts, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's, it's cliche, but less is more. Like, um, and I feel like it's just, it's the, it's, I don't even know if it's just a, I don't even think it's just a hockey culture. I think it's just a culture in sports, not a young age for gen- in general. I think that you, people think they need to do more, more, more. But sometimes that may throw your kid almost to not enjoy it as much because you're overcompensating everything. You're doing so much more. Like, you know, as a kid, I think three, four times a week is plenty. Play lacrosse, play soccer, yeah. get better, do lessons, things like that. If the kid really wants it, I think. Um, the, and there are a lot of kids that there's a, one kid, for example, that I coach. I do lessons with him. He's on the diet all the time. He, I, I can see he genuinely loves it. His dad's not pushing him. That's amazing. Um, but then there's other instances where I, I just seems like, you know, does that kid really want it right now or is, does the parent want it more? Um, not, that's not, that's not just in hockey. I feel that's in, in, in everyday sports. So yeah, absolutely. Yep. You're right. Um, we'll, we'll wrap this up now. Cause I know you gotta go, but before we do, let's get to a couple of comments. They don't all come in. So I know there's people watching on YouTube and Facebook, but for whatever reason, every single time when I end the broadcast, I only end up seeing, uh, on the program when we're live, uh, a short portion of them. So I apologize to the people that we don't get to, but, um, uh, David uh, David Carlson, who I always said said also awesome Alliance boys, but Eddie Win- Lindwall says uh, what's up, Brady? And then he also said that he met Sasha several times here in New Jersey. That he was a great guy. So yeah, he's down there in New Jersey, and uh, Eddie's a great guy. I talk to him all the time, so that's kind of cool. Um, he also said hockey is religion. That is without question. That was our life. Um, he was talking about you being thirty four. Age is just a number. If you take care of yourself, you can play for a while now. And Ned, you've always taken good care of yourself. Boom, you're correct. Kids are overtraining. My buddy Jake Mortley, who I skated with out in North Bay this summer, is over in Sweden right now. So thanks for watching, Jake. Good talk, boys. Um, Back to, we'll skip down to uh, Eddie. He says, I don't know you guys personally, but listening to you talk, it reminds me so much of me and my buddies playing hockey here in New Jersey, New York, greatest times of my life. So that's how I kind of feel too about, you know, the times that, that we share Ned. And uh, it's it's unfortunate that, you know, we kind of got disconnected, but it's it doesn't surprise me that we just were able to, to pick up right where we left off all those uh from all those years ago. And I, you know, more than anything, man, I think I wish I would have stayed in Swift Current that year. It would have been so much fun um, to play together, but we did get to play together uh, briefly. So uh, I'll take those memories, your five goals, my one uh, that night, and uh, I'll put them in the memory bank forever. And I hope that we can do this again, man. Like it was, it's been too long and I surely appreciate it. And I want to say hello to, uh, all your family members, Mike and Milka, Melissa and Alex. I hope they're all doing very well. Uh, everyone's all grown up. Like it's crazy. You got kids, there's grandkids. There's, uh, it just seems like yesterday we were all running around the rink like rink rats. And Alex was like five years old or f- even younger. I don't even know how young she was, but five, yeah. running around with Kelsey Malone and and all them. And uh, lots of fun times from, from all those years. And I, maybe I should apologize to your mom for flipping her the bird when I was like, 10 uh i was milk i was going through a lot at the time i'm sorry you were right you told me to get in and be with the team you were right i was wrong um i shouldn't have done that i was a little asshole i apologize <laughs> she'll have a good laugh at that yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure she will and i also too i i didn't say it mentioned earlier but i t- i spoke to katie harris on the phone for for quite a while last night which was nice so uh, nice. yeah we spoke we spoke about you obviously and and 
and talk. So it was, it's fun. I'm sure she's watching or listening with, uh, with her husband, Braden, who, um, Katie's also pregnant again too. They have little Thomas and Katie. Oh, and I will say, I keep saying, I will say just then an article just came out, Ned, in the Tri-City News. Did you read it? Uh, I felt like this is a knock-knock joke. Like, it's no, I swear to God. I swear to God, it just came out. An article about me came out in the Tri-City newspaper. Oh, for yeah. Oh, yeah. But anyways, I want to say that the majority of it's right, but some of it's wrong. It says that I got kicked out of my house and I moved in with the Dimmick. I actually got kicked out and moved in with Katie's family. Katie's family was the one that took me in when nobody else would. So I want to say thank you to them again. Uh, back then when I was 18, they took me in when I had nowhere to go. So I truly appreciate that. The Harris family, hello to Joyce and all the girls, Kelsey, Lindsay, um, and Ned. Um, I think we'll wrap her up, but I want to say thanks, man, because... I've been dying to do this. I've been dying to do this, man. Like since I started, I was like, man, we got to get him on. I think I will go back and listen to him. We probably got a lot more to talk about. So you say the word. You have a standing invitation to come on this show and the other show anytime. Um, please tell uh, your family and say hello and apologize to your wife that she married you on my behalf because I know you're a lot to deal with. I'm I love you so much, man. You gave me... You, you honestly, you you elevated me not only as a person, uh, but as a hockey player. And I truly appreciate it, man. Seriously. It was great, Brady. I feel like what you're doing, it's like you've been touching so many people. Like I always follow the podcast, not regularly anymore. I just go with the two kids. I'm so busy, but I try and check in every couple of weeks. I mean, it's easy. You know, I feel there's a lot of negativity. People are being really mean in this world right now. COVID, people are just angry, but like you're making changes. You're trying. Like you, one thing that I really learning about is I have a lot of regret in my hockey career. Like being a little smarter. I wish I learned more, but like it ate me up for years and years. And I feel like I, you're on the right track. I'm not. I'm not wiser than you. I'm not smarter than you. But um, just see what you're doing. It's like it's motivational and just just keep like keep on your path. Don't don't just get sidetracked and. Um, just keep being positive and being happy. Um, you know, obviously you could have been dead, like you said, a long time ago. So, I mean, I think every day that you're here is a gift. Just get better than you were the day before, as cliche as it sounds. So, that's that's the truth, man. And and thanks, eh? Like, thank you for for all the memories. And hopefully, one day we can uh, we can hang out again. I'd love to to meet the family, uh, your wife and kids, one day. And Maybe we can reminisce sometime with uh, with all the old gang. Who knows? I haven't talked to any of those guys in years. Um, but, you know, lots of good memories there. And uh, I'm so thankful to have them. So thanks, Ned. I, I love you, brother. Love you too, my friend. Thanks a lot. Katie, shout out. Katie Harris. We need the Barney picture if you're listening. <laughs> all right. Kate's, Kate's is freaking awesome, man. She's one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. Love her to pieces. So, um, Ned, thanks, man. You're the best. Thanks, brother. All right, guys, that's Ned. Are we calling him Lukasevic or Lukasevic? I forgot to ask him. I'm going to call him Ned Lukasevic because that's pretty much pretty sure how it goes. Awesome conversation. What a great guy. And I touched on it, but people don't understand how much he really elevated my hockey career. I, I tried to touch on it and ask my dad, but... Without him, there's no way I ever play in the WHL, probably not even play Junior B. I probably would have quit and fell to the wayside and wouldn't have been able to have this podcast. Like, seriously, like, I'm not kidding. That's how much influence this guy had in my life. Um, he forced me to be a better hockey player, which allowed me to hit the levels of hockey that I did, which now has been a big reason that it saved my life. So... Thank you to Ned and all those guys uh, from Poco. 
uh, that, you know what I mean? It's, I'm just grateful. Not everybody has those childhood memories and the opportunities. Thank you to all the parents who, you know, put up with all our bullshit and paid the way for us to live our dreams and play hockey at tournaments. We didn't even talk about the sauna incident. We'll save that for another time. Uh, but we had a lot of fun and I wouldn't honestly, guys, I, I wouldn't change anything that I've gone through for the world. I said this to Katie last night that the only thing I would change is I miss the time with my kids. And when I say my kids, I mean, all of them, um, you know, one out in Edmonton and then Brooklyn and Brody, uh, out in pit meadows who, um, I'm happy to say actually Rob McDougall who is a just an unbelievable artist she, he's put together the crew of people that's going to pay for my teeth here on december 14th he i found out that bo horvat was brody's favorite hockey player and uh rob mcdougall drew up this sick piece like an original like it's sick and it's signed by bo horvat and like it's a especially horvat picture signed. he got it signed by bo horvat by bo horvat and i actually got it sent to katie because i don't even know where to get it sent to um, but I had it sent to Katie and I guess my ex came and picked it up the other day for my son. Who knows if he got it. I felt really bad because I didn't have anything for Brooklyn, but I found out that her favorite player is JT Miller and I got connections with the Canucks these days. So as soon as they're back, Brooklyn J, JT Miller up, get you a jersey, get you a stick, whatever you want. Um, sorry that I don't have it already for you if you're listening, watching. Um Shout out to my girl Taylor and the kids Hadley and Lincoln and Veda. I miss you guys like crazy and hang in there. We're all going to be together very soon. If you're listening, please subscribe wherever you're listening. If you're on Apple Podcasts, rate and review takes like 10 seconds. If you if you hated it, give it a one. If you liked it, give it a five. If it was a three, give it a three. And if you really liked it, tell your friends about it. And if you hated it, uh, don't. Don't tell anybody about it because if I don't want anybody to waste their time. I wasted enough of my time, enough of my life. I want people to spend their time doing things that lift them up and make their life better. And I hope if you spent this last hour and a half with Ned and I, I hope that it did just that for you because it did it for me. I needed that. And uh, continue on this journey. Puck support swag is available. The store is up and running. It's like in half capacity, but if you want to order anything, we got different snapbacks, we got sweatshirts, we got different things. Part of the proceeds go directly to Puck Sport Foundation, uh, which we're developing right now. If anyone's struggling, reach out to Sandra Murray, our executive director of mental health and addiction. She's an unbelievable lady, a great resource, and always available. You can set it up with her. Her email is Sandra at pucksupport.com. I could see my boy Ned. I was laughing about what he's doing in the background. I told Katie he was going to be doing that last night. Katie was just tapping his teeth, just for the record. Um, I love you, buddy. But reach out to Sandra. Sandra at pucksupport.com. If you're struggling, you do not have to struggle alone. You do not have to struggle alone. There's people out there going through very similar, if not the same things. Uh, people that are on a positive journey, people that want to see change, people that want to lift people up. You do not have to live in darkness. I wish I didn't for so long. I did. I did. I lived in darkness for years. Waste of time. Get up. If you're, if you're doing stuff that's wrong, just admit your fault. Own it. Get the help you need. 
be the best decision you ever made. Please follow me at Hockey to Heroin on Instagram. You want to follow the podcast at Hockey to Hell. Most importantly, if you do one thing for me, follow the Puck Support Foundation at Puck Support. Spread the word. It's not about just us. If you know of any other organizations or groups doing the same thing, tell us about them. We want to work with everybody. This isn't a money thing. This isn't a, a attention thing. This is not about anything except for helping people. If you've noticed, this is not called the Brady Levold Foundation. This has nothing to do with me. Right now, am I a little bit in charge of it? Sure, not for very much longer. We're bringing in the big guns, the real professionals, and put me in the trenches where I belong. Let me be a soldier. Let me help people and let the professionals take care of the most important things on the business side of things. So that's what we're doing and I can't wait for that to happen. Thank you for spending this last hour and 35 minutes with myself and Ned Lacaspic. Thank you to Ned. Hello to all the Lacaspic family, to all my family back in BC. I love you and miss you. It's been three years since I've seen any of you. And I think about you all the time, kids, Brooklyn and Brody. I love you to pieces. I long for the day uh, that we reconnect and Brody. If you do want to reach out to me again, I'm here, bud. Anytime. I love you guys. Remember guys, it's up to you. How are you going to spend your time? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you hanging out with? Where's your head at? Change your attitude. Change your perspective. And remember, have a great day if you so choose. <laughs>